Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you this day that you have made. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you for the word of God that we are sharing here tonight, O oh God. We're following in the footsteps of a man who honored you and was precious in your sight, and you called a friend. We want to be friend also. We want to walk in your steps, in your instruction. Open our eyes that we might receive things that tonight you're going to reveal to us. Open our spirits that we might be nourished by your word and fill us with conviction and character and that we might move in your direction, Lord. For the days are awful. They're getting worse. Darkness, it, deep darkness, you say, is filling the earth, Lord. And we need to run in the opposite direction, Lord. Uh, let us arise and shine, for our light has come. Let us rejoice that we get to be part of the house of God and the people of God and the word of God and the Holy Spirit that sanctifies. We ask that your word tonight will continue to show us your heart and your desire for our lives, that we move in that direction. Forgive us our sins, Lord. Wash us. Cleanse us. Make us, Father God, um, more perfect like you told Abraham, that he would be blameless and perfect and walk before you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. We're in Genesis chapter 18. Last week we were in Genesis 17. And uh, this is one of my favorite chapters because there's a secret in here. And it's Genesis chapter 18 verse 1 that leads us into now. Um, here I am in Samuel. I got to go to Genesis. Genesis 18, there it goes. It says that the Lord appeared to Abraham once again. And, and the only way that we can interact in a life of faith is for the Lord's faithfulness to continue to appear. The opposite of appear is disappear. And we know that God never disappears. We're the ones that often disappear. Uh, I had a young girl in my office on Sunday, and she's saying, Pastor, I'm sorry, I keep on disappearing. I said, listen, uh, you're getting a little bit too old for this, and, and you're about to disappear permanently, you know, because this is not a game. You're not, you're not a teenager no more. You're a woman. And so thank God for God appearing in our lives and reaching out, and there he is. He appeared to Abraham um, in this neck of the woods. There was trees of Mamre, a, 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 a distinction in the trees that were in the area. And there Abraham is sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. This is common. Uh, this, this could be any one of us uh, at, any, uh, at any time. Um, God has called this man out. He's followed God. God has given him a promise. God has interacted with him several times. We've seen this. Uh, meticulously with description but this is an ordinary day and it could be any single one of us that are there at our houses just waiting to see God's goodness fulfilled in our lives from time to time uh, we can feel nothing's going on but uh, keep your eyes on the opportunity to be ready to move with God and that's what happens in Abraham's life. While he's at home and nothing seems to be going on, verse 2 says that he lifted his eyes 
and looked, and behold, there's three men. So Abraham is not, uh, he's not drifting off and daydreaming. He is uh, diligent in watching out in the scope of the realm where he sits. He's sitting at his tent, and he's looking, surveying the land. And he looked, and behold, three men, three men were standing right there next to him. And so it's, it's, not, it's not anything uh, other than ordinary also. But Abraham is seeing something that the common man is not seeing. And for what, for what other people is a problem, and, and you guys know, somebody knocks at your door and you go and you hide and you're like, I hope they leave because I don't want to talk to anybody. I hope nobody bothers me on my day off. That's not Abraham's attitude. Abraham is, is, we see something of his nature in his reaction to be sitting at his house at the door of his tent and lifting his eyes and looking and seeing three men. And when he saw them, his reaction was to run from the tent door where he was sitting to meet these men. Now, it's always the case that those that are able to participate. In that one case with the disciples, it was Peter. Peter was always jumping to his feet to do something with the Lord. And so he gets to participate on walking with, on water while the other guys were sitting down and laying back. Well, Abraham too, we see his, his forwardness and preparedness to run from the tent door to meet these men. And, and this is, I just want to give it to you. You apply it as you can and as you will in the coming days. The approach you have in humility with a willingness to serve opens heaven's gates over your life. Just, just put, that, put that down as a mark in these matters. Uh, we're getting to know a little bit more about Abraham. Uh, other men would be in the back room. They would be throwing a pity party. They'd be rolling around in their bed. Woe is me. Nobody loves me. God forgot about me. No, this guy is sitting at his door. He's eyes wide open, and he notices an opportunity he sees three men, not to run from, but to run to. Abraham, in this instance, is not a taker. He's not looking for something. He's looking for an opportunity for God in the heavens to see his life. And so he runs to these men, and I want to suggest that if anybody ever runs towards me and throws himself on the ground, I'm going to say this guy desperately deliberately is looking for something he's he wants to um, he wants favor he wants something to come in his direction and there's no greater favor upon anybody than to humble themselves and you throw your face we already said that he's in the previous chapter he threw himself in his face before God and that private life of his devotion to Christ allows him to throw himself on his face before men. That, that, that's, that's awesome. 
that his spiritual worship and devotion is leading him in a practice that's unusual out in the world. Um, he bows himself to the ground before these men. Verse 3. I want you to capture this whole essence. And these are the words that utters from his mouth. These, these, you know, we already talked, I, I believe it was on Sunday, that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this man is about to open his mouth and something's about to come forth. And he says, my Lord, if I have moved in such a way and have found favor in your sight, and this is, this is the, the irony of our Christian life, and I'm just going to say it. We're waiting for the opportunity someday ahead, whenever Christ shows up, to fall on our face and bow down. But we don't have the opportunity on a daily basis to walk in the humility to find favor. Uh, it's very hard for us. Um, I was watching Derek Prince, and he was saying that the most difficult aspect of the Christian life in other words, the most awkward for Christians to do is to practice servanthood, serving. Very difficult for people to, to know that. Um, and, and he says that, that it's, it's opposite from what we learn in Western civilization. In other words... Whenever you heard the, the word, uh, hey, you want to be my servant? <laughs> no, you're going to serve me, brother. Because it has a negative connotation. The devil has done a good job in causing us to not walk in that heart of a servant. It, we, we, we resent it. Um, let's go back there to, to verse 3. If I found favor... If my caring about myself has pleased you in your sight, I ask you, don't go somewhere else and bypass your servant. These words only have resounding profit in one presence. Anybody know? In heaven. These words that he's saying don't make sense if you are carnal and earthly minded. And he says, please, I beg you, do not go to the next person so they might serve you. Let me welcome you and refresh you. Amen. Let me be the one. I'm going to wine you and dine you and, and, and refresh you. Listen. This man is not living for the favor of earthly accomplishment. He has an opportunity to have the eyes of God look upon him and change everything in an instant. So this is what's going on. My Lord, he tells the men, if I have conducted myself in a manner which is pleasing in your sight, give me an opportunity to serve you. This is access to heaven. This, is, this doesn't come often. And so I, I would like to, um, there's several things here. I, I don't even know in what direction. But let's go to Psalm 101 where 
you'll see how God approaches this sentiment. Psalm 101 verse 6. This psalm, which is consistent with, with the king who sits upon a throne, and he utters the word, my eyes shall be on the faithful of the land. So they will be next to me. Those that are faithful in the land, they will be next to it. Well, who are the faithful in the land that will be next to him? He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. The eyes of the Lord are prepared to make distinction and highlight the person whose heart is given towards don't, don't walk away. Give me an opportunity to serve. He goes on to say, verse 7, the deceitful, those that are not driven to service, those who are not faithful... He whose deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Verse 8. This is the opposite. This is the disappearing. This is the hiding. This is the avoiding. Early I will destroy all the wicked in the land. Who are they? The ones that are not faithful. The ones that don't serve. The ones that are not walking in humility. That I might cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. The culture of the kingdom is service. The Father serves, the Son serves, the Holy Spirit serves, the angels serve. You're the only one who doesn't serve. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Somebody has deceived us. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 15, he says, You who go around saying that to serve the Lord is, is not even... Um, It's not even profitable. Uh, he says, let's go to Malachi chapter 3. He says, why do you go around saying that it's a waste of time to serve the Lord? Why is that your declaration? Yeah, Malachi three fourteen. No, let's go to 13. Let's start there. Sorry, 30. You have been harsh against me. You're being tough, says the Lord, yet... You say, what have we spoken against you? Why are you saying we're against you? Why are you saying we're tough? Verse 14, he says, because you said it is useless to serve the Lord. It's unprofitable. It's a waste of time. What profit is there in keeping his ordinances that we, might, uh, that we have walked as losers, as mourners before the Lord of hosts? Why are we taking such a base conduct? And so the Lord is witnessing to this. And so he says there in verse 15, So now we call the proud blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up, they even tempt God and go free. And so he says there, Don't you understand that there is a book of remembrance? Verse 16, where everything is being written down of those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. Verse 17, those who belong to me, says the Lord, on that day I will make them not just ordinary or losers, I'll make them my precious jewels. I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then you shall be able to distinguish 
between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who finds no occasion to serve God. I'm not going to participate. So back before there were all these expressions of God's heart in his word, Psalm 101 and Malachi, the end of the, the Old Testament, we have Abraham telling these people, please don't pass me by on this opportunity. Genesis 18 verse 4. So they say very well, your heart, he goes, please let a little water be brought to you. I want to bring you a, a, a cool glass of water and I want to wash your feet and I want to rest uh, and rest yourselves under the tree. Come and take a place of shadow. Take a place of refreshing. Let's go back to verse 4, please. Look at, look at the menu that is set up by this man. He, he could have the, the, the I'm not going to give my water because I only have enough for us. I'm not going to give any uh, washing of the feet. I might need it for later. Uh, I'm not going to give them a place of rest because they're going to take my space. Uh, they'll be there under the shadow. There'll be a disturbance. Verse 5. Provision. Wide provision. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. I'm going to cut some bread. Um, today I was watching Pastor Robert Morris say, look, over here is the supply side, the resource supply of everything God has. On the other side are the people who lack and need and, and are waiting for stuff. Well, there's a third position, which is in the middle, God resourcing those faithful servants that are willing to serve the needy. To refresh the heart of those that need refreshing, who need a glass of water, who need a piece of bread, who needs, uh, you know, their, their feet to be refreshed. And so the, these are the blessed, and this is what Jesus says, the greatest among you will be a servant. The one who faithfully serves the Lord. And not the deceitful, and not the proud, and not the one that is... Is, is maneuvering to avoid this. So he says, after that you may pass, after you have been refreshed by the morsel of bread, the glass of water, your feet are refreshed, uh, you've rested in the shade, your hearts might be refreshed. And after that, you may continue your journey. And as much as you have come to your servant, they said, do as you have said. Everything, and this is this is this is the occasion, and uh, you know, um, we we have heard this resound many times from pastors. Everyone qualifies to serve. Everyone. There's no one that cannot say, "I want to put myself in a position of humility." I want to humble myself and throw myself on the ground. I want to make my life a refreshing. And again, it's not the nature of sin. The nature of sin is to take. It's not to give. It's to be proud. It's not to be humble. It's to not understand service. And, and if we go to... Throughout scripture, you see endless 
opportunities of men that will say, you know something? Like the prodigal son, he came back and he says, make me as one of your servants. Why? Because he was just a self-centered, self-serving, only pleasing himself throughout his journey. These guys find the opportunity to allow Abraham to serve them. Now, Abraham is not trying to have a tip or a commission or remuneration. He's not doing this for money. He's not doing this because he deserves to be paid for it. He's not running uh, a little cart on the side of a malecon selling some chimichurri. He's living a life before a faithful and mighty God. And that causes him to be a totally different person. This nature is, and this is why it's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Because here a man who doesn't need to, a man who could be doing his own thing, is living to be noticed by God. Second Chronicles 16.9 says that the eyes of the Lord are noticing upon the earth. You say, where's God? And here's where God is. His eyes are running to and fro throughout the whole earth, and he wants to show himself mighty and strong on those whose heart is loyal to him. His eyes are upon the earth, and he's looking far and wide, north and south, deep and, and, and sharp, trying to find out who is it whose heart, we talked about it on Sunday. If you weren't here on Sunday, get a copy of the message, please. Because this is, this is a, a heart revealed, a heart uh, distinguished. And so the eyes of God are, are looking throughout the earth, trying to see the reality of servanthood. Let's go back to verse 5. They say, in as much as you have come, let me serve you. And they said, do as you have said. Now, deliberate movement in the direction of service needs to be prepared. You can't do this off the cuff at the last minute. You'll be a bungling clown. You need to be set with the premise of, let's get ready, because at the opportunity to serve... We're going to serve at the highest level. We're going to serve with excellence. The people, are, their heads are going to, whoo, their, their heads are going to spin because they're going to be refreshed. This is not something you could do on the cuff. This is something that has to be trained. How do I know? Verse 6, as soon as they say, yes, you, you refresh us. Abraham hurried to the tent. And he called on his wife, and his wife was on the same team, the same spirit. Look, some wives would run into the rooms and lock themselves in there and not come out for days or weeks. How dare you bring somebody into our house? How dare you offer them? How dare you? This just, this is, you know, this is, it's unexpected. It's the opportune time. It's now. It's not when I want, how I want. Well, if they would have been here um, there was a, a beautiful sign that I think it was at Crackle Barrel, and it said, um, "Sorry, you came to my house today. 
uh, yesterday is when I was, everything was nice and neat. Everything was clean yesterday, but today everything's a mess. You miss my day. No. A servant is ready to serve on a minute's notice. He's, he, that's what he does. That's his, that, that pours out. That's, that's his DNA. Uh, Derek Prince says that that is the spirit of Christ. And the one who doesn't serve doesn't have the spirit of Christ. Because Christ came to serve and not to be served. We're going to see that later on. But here he's running. Listen. I've been in some restaurants where they don't run to serve. They walk and they disappear. And you're like, no tip. They're not going to be rewarded for, for dragging their feet. And, and this is the concept um, every time we see the angels in heaven, what are they doing? They're, 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 they're getting ready. They're getting everything prepared. They're serving faithfully. They're being diligent. They don't have to be called. Oh, pastor, if you call me, I don't have to call you. You should be serving so much, my head is spinning. Seeing the spirit of Christ in you, being faithful to God, not to me. That's not an imposition. That's a privilege. That's an honor. And so he runs and tells Sarah, take your time. Quickly. Get things ready. Make ready three measures of fine meal. Get that flour nice and not no clumps. We can't afford clumps. Make it excellent. Make your servant, make, make your service distinguished. I went to Mexico about four years ago, and I went to one of the businessmen there. There were three of them. They were making shoes. Sloppy. Boxes turned upside down. The glues pouring out on the table. The, 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 everything's sloppy. The, the, the shoes have to be made twice because on the first time, they're just being sloppy, lazy. I said, you guys have the opportunity to make the best shoes in Mexico. Why are you going to be known as the messy shoes? As, as people put their foot in there and glue sticks to their sock. You have the opportunity to serve with excellence. Who's the greatest? The servant. You have the opportunity. And, and we're always, we're like that, 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 um, the donkey from, from um, Winnie the Pooh. Eeyore. Oh, well, pastor's preaching on serving again. It's sad. It's sad that there's no diligence. Sarah, quick, three meals, uh, three measures of the meal. And, and guess what? I, I don't even want to know. Do I have some husbands in here want to tell me what their wife would respond? ¿Qué? Tu abuela. What's up with the Cuban attitude? Quick, Sarah, make three ready me measures of fine meal. Knead it. You guys don't know. He didn't say, I need it. He says, knead it. Put it. Start putting that thing together. 
Today they have, they have the machines, right? What are they called? What are they called? Machines? The bread makers. No, none of the girls need anymore. They don't need. They need the need. They get those knuckles in the dough and, and, and make the fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. I don't even know what the response would be. Listen to me. It's not good that man would be alone. To have a Eeyore next to him as he's trying to serve God. And, and we're, not, we're not walking in this direction. Abraham hurried quickly. Make these things. Put them on the table. We have an opportunity to serve. God's eyes are upon us. Let's not pass this opportunity. It's now. Verse 7. And then Abraham ran to the herd. And he picked out a tender. Not an old geezered. Not, not something hard. The meat. He picked out the Kobe. He's been playing uh, symphony music and massaging this thing. Getting it ready for the opportunity to serve the table and to give, give these men their best. Tender loin, good calf. And then he gave it to a young man. He had been training somebody on his staff to help him prepare these things. He had a team of workers that were diligent, preparing the best. And so uh, this whole team aspect. I love that Abraham did not stay without doing nothing because in verse 8 it says that he ran and milked the cow. He took butter and milk and the calf. He took butter, milk, and the calf which he had prepared. So some people see Abraham and say, why did God pick him? Because why God is, is visiting him? Why does God promise him a child? Why is he the father of faith? Does this give you a different look upon this man's heart? He was being diligent. He was willing to serve. He didn't have an attitude. He wasn't lazy. He was at the forefront refreshing these men. And he sat it before them. After all the preparations done, he sat it before him and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. You know what he was doing? He was serving tables. Father Abraham. He had decided that he would be known in the heavens as a servant, as someone who is preparing the table. The Spirit of Christ is all over him. And that's why he was so anxious. Now, as we see all things in place, a servant's heart is it's not about him. He's not self-centered. He's not even thinking about him. He knows that if he's taking care of God's business, God is taking care of his business. And they turned to Sarah, verse 9, and here it is, right here. They said to her, where is your wife? And he says, she's still in the tent. Verse 10, tell her that next year we will return according to the time of life and behold Sarah your wife shall have a son open heavens open provision miracles signs wonders verse 11 she was behind the tent and she was laughing now Abraham and Sarah were old and well advanced in age and Sarah had already passed the age of childbearing 
I, I was talking to several men this week. I said, listen to me. We're not waiting on nothing. We haven't waited for anything. This man, I was telling him with my, with my nephew, I said, he's 99 years old and still waiting on God. That, that, that's my definition of a champion. He still believes that God is faithful and God would never lie. God's going to fulfill his promise. So Sarah laughs. She thinks it's a joke. Saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being also old? My Lord being old also. Verse 13. And the Lord said to Aaron, why is she laughing? Why does Sarah laugh, saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? She's questioning what God has said and promised. And th this, is, this is what I like about God. This is, this is the, the, the measure right here, right here. Verse 15. Is, I mean 14, is there anything too hard for the Lord? This is, this is it. This is the standard. This is his seal over his life. Why is Abraham living the way he's living? Because he knows that for the Lord there's nothing too hard. And at the appointed time, when God so decides, when God so is in his pleasure to do what he wants... I will return according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. God is going to do what he has purposed to do and no one's going to stop it. Meanwhile, Abraham's attitude is one of service. There is no faith without service. Faith leads you to obedience and obedience leads you to service. You're not serving, it's because you're not obeying. If you're not obeying, it's because you have shipwrecked in your faith. You can shout amen right there. Amen. Faith is about obedience and obedience is about serving. If you're not serving, it's because you're not obedient. If you're not obedient, it's because you're shipwrecked in your faith. And that's why he says, I'll distinguish between the one who serves me and the one who doesn't. Verse 15. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. That's the record. Let's get it straight. When you see Jesus arrive on the scene in Matthew 12, 15, there's a whole dynamic about him coming to the earth and how he walked in the excellence of being a servant. And he said like this, yet he warned them not to make him known. In other words, just because I serve well, that doesn't mean I get a brownie point and I get some type of recognition. That's not a servant. Desiring recognition to serve is not the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ is warn everyone not to make known what I'm doing. Why? Because God sees in secret. And what's done in secret is rewarded openly. And what is done openly, that's your reward. That you got credit for it because everybody found out. That's what the Bible says. But in Jesus, he says, tell people not to say what I'm doing. Verse 17. So that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. In order for what Isaiah to say to come to pass, make sure nobody knows. What is it that... Isaiah wrote or said, verse 18, Behold my servant in whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will declare 
what is righteous before the Gentiles. He's going to do what heaven would do before those that don't know God. And then he goes on to say, verse 19, he's not going to dispute, quarrel. He's not going to cry out, hey, look what I'm doing. No one will hear his voice in the streets. His going for God is done anonymously. A lot of us want to do what we do for people to get to know us. But to live like Abraham did in his faith is, listen, there's nobody on the street out here in the desert. God knows when the next person's going to pass by. God knows when the next opportunity we have to pour water, to cook bread, to kill a calf, to put milk and butter down, to refresh a table, to open the heavens over our house. It's not one that quarrels. There's no contentious. Well, I can't serve because everybody. You can't serve? Of course you can serve. Be meek. Be humble. Shut your mouth. Don't quarrel. Don't cry. Don't make a fight about everything. Don't, don't, don't make everything an issue. The hot box for a Christian is to serve in the house of God. You can say amen right there. Amen. You're going to feel every despising comment of unappreciated proportion in the house of God, preparing you to be a champion. Because you're not doing things for men, you're doing them for God. Amen. Join that. Go, go serve at that welcome booth there. It's not very welcoming. We've lost a lot of people that have tried to go over there and say, I want to serve the Lord. Where do these people come from? My God. I don't want to serve next to them. I don't want to serve the ones that come, and I don't want to serve the ones that go. Because you're not a servant. That's why you can't serve. No one will hear their voice in the streets. They're not trying to impress the crowds. There's not going to be contention. There's not going to be quarreling. There's not going to be excuses. There's not going to be that... Verse 20, he says, a bruised reed he will not break. It doesn't matter how many times they whack at him. A smoking flax he will not quench. Till he sends forth justice to victory. Till he gets the victory. Till he is established as a servant before God. Verse 21. And in his name, Gentiles will trust. You know that, that when people see what you're doing... For God's sake, then you become a servant in any regards, and it's not based on a particular class or opportunity of people. There's some people who says, well, I can work with Joanne because Joanne's nice, but I hate Susan. No, you're just not a servant. Well, I could work with, with these people, but not those people. If they're Christians, I could work with them. If they're not Christians, you're not a servant. Proverbs 11.25 says that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. The generous soul will be made rich. He will be prosperous. And he who waters others will also himself be watered. If I can be like Jesus, if I can serve like he served, who would ever see there in Matthew 20.27... He says, whoever wishes to be the top dog, the top servant, let him become a slave. He who desires to be first among you, let him be the lowest rung. You can't go wrong. Verse 28, just as I did not come to serve, 
but uh, to be served, but to serve. Look at my testimony. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a reward for many, a ransom for many. Don't think I came to be served. Luke twenty two twenty seven. he says, Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? You all know that it's the one who sits at the table. 22, 27. Luke twenty two twenty seven. He says, he asked the question, he says, who's more important? Who is greater, he who sits at a table or he who serves? Is it not the one who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as one who serves. I'm about, I'm about my father's business. The particularities of God's desire is to serve in the house of God. Galatians 6 verse 9. He says, don't grow tired of serving. Because at the precise moment, in due season, you will reap if you haven't lost heart, if you haven't thrown in the towel. Verse 10. Doing good as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who belong to our household of faith, our family. A lot of people serve a lot of people and they don't serve their family of faith. The Bible says, start at the house. Start in the home. And then the opportunities will grow to serve elsewhere. Opportunities will grow to be grounded. In 1 Corinthians 16, 15, there's a family. We talked about them a while back. The household of Stephanus. He says, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 15. I urge you, brethren, that you recognize and acknowledge the household of Stephanus. Look at this family. He was one of the first families that got saved in Achaia. And they have devoted themselves to serve the saints. Their passion in life is to refresh those that are responsible for the work of the Lord. And since they are devoted to serve those that are in the ministry, verse 16, you also su submit to them. They have a... a a recognition among us as people of honor that we're to submit to. Why? Because their whole life is refreshing those that are doing the work of ministry. Submit to these guys. They watch over the family. To everyone who works and labors with us. I think that what needs to characterize us above all things in the house of God is that we are through and through servants. That's, that's our DNA. That's in us. Abraham uh, legitimized this as we saw in chapter 18, Hebrews 6.10. Here it is. We finish with this one. God is never unfair to forget your service and labor of love which you have shown towards his name in that you have ministered to the believers and continue to do so. Let's stand. You'll notice the request, how can I refresh you? And not, 
this is what I'm going to do. And if you don't let me do this, then I'm not going to be here. I've seen that over the last 20 years. Like flies in a pig pen. It's, it's abundance. People that will do only what they choose to do. And not what they're chosen to be a part of. So a servant is ready to do anything, at any time, anywhere. And his sole desire is to refresh by serving. And so it's very important that our faith would be a component of this. Now, let me ask you a question. A servant is faithful how much? Say it with me, forever. forever. A servant is never not faithful. In Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read this, verse 5. says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. The measure is not your dignity, oh, but I have been around for three days, and they let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. Verse 6. Being in the form of God, he had the substance of excellence. He did not grasp for it, consider it robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7. But made himself of no reputation. You don't come to the table saying, well, I served at the Hilton five-star culinary arts school, Johnson & Johnson. And you don't come with your title and your reputation and who you are. You come taking the form of a bondservant. You come, the bondservant is like the lowest of servants. He's serving out of love for his master. He's not serving for recognition. He's not serving for remuneration. He has, he's already been set free. You can leave. You already served your time. He says, no, I will never leave my bastard. A bondservant gets pierced and he stays forever because of love. He's not serving for any other reason. Coming in the likeness of men. He came and took the likeness of men. This is the mind of Christ. Verse 8. Being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to point of death and death on a cross. He, it wasn't for a season, it wasn't for a moment, it was for the rest of his life. It cost him his life to serve. Took the form of a man, became a servant, humbled himself to the point of death and death on the cross. It got really, like this guy's 100% in it to serve. Verse 9. And it's for this reason God highly exalts him and gives him a name above every name. Amen. We're taking steps of faith in the direction of taking on the image of Christ because there's high reward. And God will highly exalt him, giving him a name above every name. Let's sing to the Lord. And again, we are walking this out day by day. You might find yourself in your tent, the doorway of your house, ordinary opportunity. There's nothing big about the house of God, so to speak. But at every opportunity, we're diligent to serve, diligent to refresh, diligent to wash, diligent to serve the tables. Uh, people will mock our disposition to serve. What are you, a slave to that place? 
servant. If that's, if that's what they're saying about you, just wait till you get to heaven. You're going to want them to shout that very loud. Excuse me, could you say that again? Come on. Say what you said. Because they mock that. The devil mocks that. But open heavens towards us. Open heavens in, in a miraculous way. We sing this song and you now before the Lord say, Lord, give me a servant's heart. Give me a truly servant's heart that I might be acknowledged amongst my brethren as one who has come to serve and not to be served. As we sing this song, you're talking with the Lord and then we'll pray. It's there in Genesis 18, 18, where God declares, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. This is, this is where God is leading us. You're taking the heart of Christ to be a servant. It's preparing you to serve nations. It's preparing you to serve in the ministry of the kingdom. How did God know that this was going to happen? Verse 19, he was being an example to his children after him for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring upon Abraham all that he has spoken of him you know when you're a servant your wife catches that reality and your children do after you and your whole family will become a family that serves the Lord a family God could use father thank you tonight for giving us your word. Forgive us for the time that has passed when we were lazy and we were selfish and self-centered and we didn't move in the direction of your heart to refresh those at our, within our reach, within our capacity. We pray, Father God, that we move in your direction and that our heart tonight has heard from your heart and we have Jesus as our example who came not to be served, but to serve. Fill us with mercy and let us put on humility. Allow us to grow and be stretched in our faith that we might be known by how faithful, consistent, and our perseverance in serving is known amongst those who worship. Give us the grace to serve. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit. The one who has come to be a helper. That we might move like Abraham moved, like Sarah moved. That we might hear heaven's gates open wide and pouring out favor in our lives as we walk in this DNA. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen.